What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily fantasy football podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iyer, and when I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL at large and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. So come and check out all the things we have on our site to break down everything we saw in Week 3, Thursday and Sunday action so far, heading into the Monday night game with the Falcons and Saints. But as you know on the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast, that every Monday is Roundup Monday. That means we look at every game, see what looked wrong, see what looked right, things that we can take away going into our next matchups and uh, make our teams better, knowing the guys that we have to keep an eye on trending upward or downward. So we'll have to dive right into it because it's always a busy time with no teams on by here. And we have to start with the Cardinals losing to the Bills 33-18. I thought this could be a trap game, but I didn't think it was going to be this big of a trap for the Cardinals. And the Cardinals, the biggest story there is that you have Carson Palmer having a terrible game. It's 26 of 50, 287 yards, four interceptions, five sacks, didn't do anything, no touchdowns. It was the David Johnson show, so you were happy with him. Everybody else... You're pretty much disappointed if you had John Brown and played him in a PPR. He had his best game of the year with six catches for 70 yards. But David Johnson, that was the one thing you like about him is that even with the blowout, the game flow didn't get away from his production here. And with David Johnson, he still had 22 touches in this game, two touchdowns, over 100 yards from scrimmage. So you're happy if you draft him early because he's just a machine everywhere that's going to be involved no matter what here, but Cardinals just laid an egg here all around. Their defense actually was pretty decent because on the other side, they did get to Tyrod Taylor four times with sacks and did have an interception, but they really got destroyed against the run here, and that's the story is LaShawn McCoy with this new offensive coordinator. They were talking about getting the ball downfield more, but it actually went more ground and pound, more basic here with Anthony Lynn calling the plays, with LaShawn McCoy getting the 17 carries, bursted, had 110 yards, very good day. Old McCoy, turn on a dime, cut on a dime type of running. 17 carries, 110 yards, you'll take it with the two scores. Tyrod Taylor, not a very good game overall, only 119 yards passing with an interception, but the defense and special teams kind of took care of business here. He did help himself with a 49-yard run as well as a touchdown later, so 9 for 76 and 1, but still overall not the greatest day for Taylor. We didn't really like him in this game, kind of uh, padded his stats there with a run, but really made up for the fact that there was almost little to speak of as passing. So 
Here you look at uh, Sammy Watkins didn't play. Nobody else did anything of note here. Six for 51 for Robert Woods. He's back on the radar, but still not anything exciting in fantasy. So that's where you go from here. Weird game for the Cardinals. I expect that they'll get back on track again with everything in their passing game, but uh, something to keep an eye on with Palmer. Our next game was the Oakland Raiders surviving in Tennessee, 17-10. to And with the Raiders, quiet game for Derek Carr, relation to the matchup, 249 touchdown and an interception. Latavius Murray, not a big game either, but he did get in the end zone on his 10 carries for 37 yards. In this game, uh, DeAndre Washington took turns as being the more impressive rookie than Jalen Richard. That's two straight weeks here for Washington, so stack that you have to have six for 57 for Washington in the running game. I think they have to get him more involved as he does more things like this, but it's always going to limit Murray's touches. It's always looking like Washington and Jalen Richard are going to get half of what Murray does, and that happened here 12 to 10. They actually out-touched him. Amari Cooper, you were disappointed. He had four for 62 in this one, but Michael Crabtree, very pleasing, eight for 102. It was kind of a grindy game for the Raiders, not it didn't score as much as I thought. With the Titans, I think we have to officially be off Marcus Mariota. We've given him some chances here to really produce. At home, he's just been terrible. I mean, he was bad against the Vikings in week one. He had two turnovers here, no touchdowns. The running is very non-existent, only three for 22. The story here is that DeMarco Murray continues to be the only fully trusted thing in this offense. He had uh, 21 touches here for 155 yards and the lone touchdown for the Titans. So Murray's great. Their Derrick Henry is getting difficult for him to sniff any touches here with the way Murray's playing. So you got to be thrilled if you're a Murray owner that this continues no matter what the scores are for the Titans. But Marriott, I think, is at this point droppable in most uh, non-two QB leagues. Our next game in the early window was the one that I actually covered for SportingNews.com. And it was a shocker. Cam Newton and the Panthers, really tough day. Cam did pad his uh, stat there with a rushing touchdown early, but you look at it, 22-10, to 10, just a dismantling by the Vikings. And 262 yards, three interceptions for Cam Newton. Had the rushing score of 26 yards, so not much to see there. Cameron Artis Payne and Fozzie Whitaker kind of erased here by this uh, Vikings defense. Some decent combined numbers as rushers and receivers, but nothing to see there overall. Kelvin Benjamin completely erased from the game plan one target, and it wasn't until very late in the game. Xavier Rhodes and Terrence Newman and Trey Waynes, a mix of them, mostly Rhodes, really took Benjamin out of the game and had to be frustrating after he had the big game against the 49ers and said they could score 60, 70 points in a game. Well, it's hard when you only score 10 the next week and you're not involved. So very quiet game for everything Panthers. I think they rebound from this. They just fit, ran into a buzzsaw here. The Vikings, not much there offensively either. I mean, Jarek McKinnon, Matt Egiata, as expected, were slowed down. Didn't have too much combined here. Kyle Rudolph was the only offensive player of note here in this tough matchup. Seven catches for 70 yards and a touchdown. But a lot was facilitated by the 
Panthers with the three picks and also eight sacks of Cam Newton, and that was the best play of this game overall was the Vikings D. I mean, they came out gangbusters here for another week. They scored twice in week one, really shut down Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. So they're looking like, forget it, we, we thought this would be a tough matchup. They're now in every week played to do that to the Panthers and Packers. There really isn't much else in the NFC to break down that way. So Vikings all in on their defense every week. That's really the story from this game. Now, we go to the Browns and Dolphins. This one was a weird game. We expected the Dolphins to kind of roll on this. Of course, they made a lot of mistakes. Ryan Tannehill still had a nice line, as we expected, 319 yards and three touchdowns. Did have the two picks, but for fantasy purposes, he came through here. Jarvis Landry, automatic, seven for 120 and one. Devontae Parker found the end zone again as the first score in this game, 351 and one. So you like that distribution still. Kenny Stills is trying to cut into Parker's targets, but... Parker still producing Aaron Landry is going to be that solid 12 targets every week, and he was right there again. In this backfield, Kenyon Drake started, and there was a lot of late pickups on him, but he only had 11 touches and 48 yards from scrimmage. GHI wasn't that much greater, but he did have the touchdown late there to win this game. It's 7-28-1, so still not much to see here in terms of uh, who's going to get the ball when Aaron Foster's out. On the Brown side, Duke Johnson got banged up in their backfield. Isaiah Crowell will slow down a little bit with 15 carries for 79 yards. I think Johnson looked better until he got banged up here. So Crowell cooled off. The real story on the Brown side was Terrell Pryor. We were seeing who's going to pick up the slack when Cody Kessler's in there. Pryor played some quarterback, had 35 yards passing. He played running back, four carries, 21 and touchdown. And he was awesome as a receiver, eight Receptions on 14 targets for 144 yards. So great, weird, all-around game from Pryor. You'll take it. You know, Josh Gordon is still coming around here. But without Corey Coleman, Pryor is the guy here. Gary Barnage was involved, 5 for 66, a decent game, especially in a PPR. But the development is that Pryor, they're going to do everything they can to get a spark in this offense. And Pryor is the guy that is going to be put in a lot of different roles, and that's great. It's rare to have a fantasy player like that. So I think until Gordon gets back, for sure, in a lot of matchups, Pryor is going to be playable. Just keep in mind he's not going to play the Dolphins every week, and if he's the only option that teams are going to start him take away, and we have New England right around the corner there. So our next game was kind of another gritty festival. Not much to see here with the quarterbacks. Ravens and Jaguars. Ravens hold on to win 19-17. to They're now 3-0 and with little to speak of in the running game. The running game is just forgettable here with Terrence West and Justin Forsett. Same old story here. Joe Flacco had a terrible game, 214 yards and two interceptions and no touchdowns. And then you look at this uh, receiving pecking order. Mike Wallace cooled off. Dennis Pitta cooled off. But Steve Smith Sr., was the guy back in the good graces here with eight catches and 11 targets for 87 yards. So we mentioned that we had to wait and see a little bit to see if he's fully back into the offense. I would say so. So especially in a PPR, Steve Smith Sr. should be picked up and owned and uh, possibly started going forward. And with the Jaguar side, it was good to see Allen Robinson get off the schneid. Seven catches on 11 targets for 57 yards and those two scores, very similar to types of games he had last year. Blake Bortles is still disappointing. He had two TDs, but only 194 yards, had the three picks, only 17 yards rushing, so not much uh, 
deflection of the mistakes there either. So, And this Jaguars running game, completely terrible. 18 carries total, 31 yards for T.J. Yeldon and Chris Ivory. So you can't trust either of these guys right now. So at this point, I mentioned Alan Hearns as a guy that you had said he had four for 40. Another quiet day was all about Robinson. So with his offensive line, Kelvin Beecham and their center, Brandon Linden, Linder, sorry, were out. So you have your left tackle and your center out. It's been difficult to get the protection and the run blocking. So that's going to affect everyone for now. I think Robinson's the only guy here that you can put in every week as a Jaguars player. Our next game was the get well game for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And boy, did he get well. Quick work. One of those old, I'm going to take care of business early and just uh, have them hold the lead. 205 yards, four touchdowns, very efficient, only 15 completions here but four TDs that's the Rodgers of old Eddie Lacy of course kicked in as well 17 carries for 103 he had uh, six 101 and two touchdowns from Jordy Nelson he looks fully healthy now on seven targets here and the real story here is that Randall Cobb is kind of fading to the level of Devontae Adams I don't think Cobb is startable at this moment because Adams out-catched him in this game and had the touchdown, 223-1, while Cobb only had one catch early for 33 yards and kind of disappeared from the game plan as we went on here. So it's still Nelson, and Cobb has, like, really fallen off, and I don't think you can trust him here. It was good to see Lacey get that. Nelson, Rodgers, these three are in your lineup every week. And I have to say the Packers' defense still did some things, even without Clay Matthews, Sam Shields, missing a lot of guys up front that they still were able to come through, get a few things going here, but they still did give up 27 points, and really the 27 points came from Matthew Stafford going to uh, Marvin Jones Jr. a couple times there. 385-3-1 for Stafford, sacked three times. So, again, the Packers' defense could have been a lot worse. They were a good play early in the week when we knew their guys were going to be healthy, then they became a slightly worse play. Still were kind of decent here in the end. Stafford... Excellent, another great game at Lambeau Field. He's, he keeps that up. Marvin Jones, I mean, six catches, 205 yards, and two touchdowns. And and again, Golden Tate, quiet, four for 40 behind him. So Jones is clearly the number one receiver everywhere on the field for this team, especially with his field-stretching abilities. And Eric Ebron is looking like the consistent number two target at tight end with five for 69. So you look at this. The, it, there's some clear definition in the Lions passing game here with what you're going to get from Stafford and how the receivers are going to go. Tate is definitely going to be a blip here. And Bolden, again, pilfered the touchdown away from him. So Bolden, as expected, keeps cutting into Tate. When you look at the backfield, this was obviously a disappointing game for everyone there. Theo Riddick had 7 for 39 in the receiving game, but was really ineffective as a runner. Dwayne Washington, the rookie, wasn't that much better. So... This running game and tougher matchups like the Packers, just not trustable to start anyone. Riddick, you're hoping in PPR especially that he can make up for it. In a standard, though, he's hard to trust in these types of games as well. Now we get into a weird game, and we didn't expect this to kind of happen, but the Broncos went into Cincinnati and won 29-17. And really the story of the Broncos side is Trevor Simeon, In fantasy relevance now, all of a sudden, we weren't sure what to expect. He's been struggling along. Then we get 312 yards and four touchdowns, 132.1 passer rating. By far his best game early. The 
Bengals played the game of taking away C.J. Anderson, which they did. 14 carries for only 37 yards for Anderson. So he was erased, and they put it on Simeon. Get the ball downfield to your receivers, and he did. Emmanuel Sanders, welcome back to fantasy relevance. Nine catches, 117 yards, two touchdowns on 13 targets. So a lot of targets there. Demarius Thomas, very efficient day himself. Six catches on seven, seven targets for 100 yards and a touchdown. So this is kind of the box scores we used to have with uh, Peyton Manning in his uh, best days. Uh, to see that happen was nice for these two receivers. They were whining about it, and I guess Simeon heard them and <laughs> delivered. What a game for Simeon. So I think he's on the radar now in fantasy going into this tough matchup on the road and delivering and getting the ball to his receivers. So I think he needs to be picked up, especially in deep leagues or two QP leagues. He has to be in there. And then you look on the Bengals side, Andy Dalton, we kind of expect him to struggle against his defense. So 260 yards and the interception and four sacks are not a surprise here. AJ Green managed to eke out everything you can against this tough defense, eight catches for 77. So given the circumstances, you're probably disappointed, but a little happy that you even got to that point with Green. And real stories, Jeremy Hill. I mean, the Broncos run defense had been pretty nasty, but Hill powered through. He did have a 50-yard run to really pad his stats. So he had the one carry for 50, the 16 for 47. The rest of the way weren't that great, but he's always a threat to score, which he did here with a pair of scores, the only two Bengals touchdowns. So Gio Bernard still is more hit or miss, but I think Hill with the touchdown scoring ability, even when the yardage is not there or the occasional big run, that makes him some guy that you put him in as an RB2 or flex, and the schedule is going to get easier. He got through it really Three tough games, managed to find his way into the end zone on a couple of them to pad his value. But now Hill, things open up, and you're going to be glad you have him going forward as an RB2 or a high-end flex play. The next game we look at in the final game of the early window is the Redskins and Giants. And this was a wild one. The Redskins had to win to save their season. They moved to 1-2, 29-27. The Giants cool off and are now 2-1. and one. You look at Kirk Cousins, good rebound game for him. No picks, that's a big thing. 296 yards and two touchdowns. Deshaun Jackson, welcome back to action. 5 for 96, despite having the knee and ankle all week. That's pretty good. He was eight targeted eight times and scored. Jameson Crowder had the long 55-yard touchdown run. It's kind of an anomaly, but 478 and 1. Pierre Garçon definitely fading and droppable. I think you have to be disappointed if you're a Jordan Reed owner. This seems like a perfect read game against the Giants linebackers and safeties, but only four for 56. So it might be a thing that Cousins is evolving to be better and he can't always throw the ball to Reed. And that is going to hurt Reed a little bit because there are some guys that can uh, take some attention here. And Josh Doxson at some point is going to be in this receiving mix as well with the Achilles. So you look at the running game, not much there. 17 for 65 for Matt Jones. Those are kind of typical games. With him, you're pretty much hoping for a touchdown. He did have 79 from scrimmage. So, Matt Jones, I'm not too crazy about week in and week out. I think he's just very limited what what he can do, and I think this is a team that's going to have to throw often their defense, and that means more Chris Thompson. On the Giants side of things, we had 350 yards and a touchdown, but two picks from Eli Manning. Expect a lot more of him in this game, and this good matchup. And... If you started Shane Vereen, you were very happy last minute knowing that uh, Rashad Jennings with his thumb wasn't able to go. He had only 13 touches in this game, but 
you look, you look around, he had uh, 95 yards and that touchdown. So that's great. I mean, late fill-in running back that you can elevate and put in your lineup so you're happy with that. Orleans Darkwa was the next guy up. He's the only other guy that got touches out of this backfield. 10 for 53 and a touchdown plus a reception for nine yards. So it was kind of a committee between do, these two guys. It was good if you picked up any of the Giants' backs to have a production with Jennings out. Odell Beckham Jr. in the much-publicized matchup with Josh Norman, you'd ex- expect him or hope him that he can find the end zone soon. He didn't. Seven for 121. You'll take that type of the game. 11 targets. Sterling Shepard continues to be a story. Keeps on rolling. 573 and one here. Had a chance really to have two. They had a one-yard run there after a big play by him. So Shepard, this is looking like the real deal. Solid every week start. Is a wide receiver two now, I think. He's more on that borderline than three. Victor Cruz is trying to push for every week wide receiver three spot, but I think he's more still a PPR play for me. Three for 70, had a 37-yard play here, but caught all of his targets. I think he's a PPR regular, but in standard, I think you could do better at wide receiver three more consistently. So before we uh, get into the late games, the afternoon games, and the night games, we talk a lot about stats on the fantasy podcast here and we look at sport locker is the app that we really help to get us through this it's the sports app you've never had but always needed with sport locker they have a quickly expanding database of over 5,000 athletes coaches teams and venue profiles it is like nothing you've ever experienced they have an unparalleled comparison feature where you can look at players side by side to know who are the better options in fantasy and know in a particular time of year road home what kind of weather conditions that this player is optimal for their performance that's it's great to know that and have every particular statistical edge you can have and it it's pretty great because you can quickly share that player stats accomplishments contracts with their unique sharing cards at sport locker you can even share the comparisons to help your friends and buddies be just as smart as you are when it comes to stats and sports with over 50 million data points and counting sport lockers constantly adding new sports features, data, and photos. Take it from Seahawks cornerback Richard Sherman, who called it the best sports app, period. So download it today on iOS for your iPhones with the Android version coming soon. So we had a busy, wacky, late thing of games here, and we look at this entire week. It was just upside down and crazy. The picks were really turbulent, but no more than this late window of games. I mean, the first window, there were some surprises, but things that went according to Hoyle. And the second one, everything just went haywire. Somehow the Rams, after being shut out in week one, are now two and one after going into Tampa Bay and beating the Buccaneers in a shootout between Case Keenum and Jameis Winston, 37-32. Keenum, still not going to put it on the radar here. He had the two TDs. Kind of one was fluky to Tavon Austin late, 40, 43 yards, 582 and on eight targets for him. Brian Quick was the guy over Kenny Britt here, 253 and one, catching both of his targets. So those guys scored. But the real story for the Rams is Todd Gurley. Everyone is looking for Todd Gurley to come through like this. And still not the greatest per yard yards per carry average, but 27 carries, love that volume, 85 yards, and two scores. So you'll take the two scores every week with Gurley. 
This is the kind of Rams offense you want to see. Just legit enough in the passing game where Gurley can be facilitated. So you're okay with that. I think the disappointment with the Bucks is the defense not really doing more against Keenum, only getting the interception sack. I think in some formats they still gave you 10 points. So that's not bad for giving up 37 in real points. So on the other side, uh, the Rams defense played pretty well as well. Even in the shootout, they had – an interception, a couple sacks to Jameis Winston, but 4.05 and 3.58 attempts from Jameis Winston as they got down more than they expected here. So Winston, the streak goes on for him. Big week one, bad week two, very good week three in terms of fantasy. He had Charles Sims, the game flow really got away from him a little bit, but this is why Sims is a very good pickup for Doug Martin because he's always going to be involved in the passing game. 13.55 and 1 on the ground, but padded that with 6 catches for 69 yards on 8 targets. So in a PPR, he's an excellent play already. Now he's better that he's going to get involved in the running game and also score the short ones. So, and really, you look at the touches, we're all here. His with the Jaquiz Rogers, basically a blip. You're happy with Mike Evans. The, it keeps on rolling for him. Ten catches on his 13 targets. A lot more efficient than last year. you got to love it. He's catching everything thrown his way. 132 yards and a score here. So Evans, we expected this third year bust out from him, and he's been off the charts good. So that's what we look at. It's a surprise shootout, but not so surprising with Winston and Evans, what they were able to do here. Adam Humphreys, people are going to ask about him. Is he the number two that you look at? Vincent Jackson is droppable everywhere. He only had three for 37. But Humphreys, nine for 100. I think it's a bit of an anomaly. He's kind of a slot receiver. They gave him a lot in the middle of the field in big catch-up mode. So I can't recommend Humphreys as a pickup. I think I can recommend Cameron Brait, however. No Austin Severian Jenkins. Big news that he had the DUI and was kicked off the team, Brait, they like this guy anyway. He had five catches for 46 yards and two TDs. Brait has to be an all-radar as the tight end because that position is struggling. Brait is now the guy. There's no ASG questions uh, or ASJ questions, and you have Brandon Myers blip here as well. So Brait, got to pick him up in almost every league format, and we'll talk about him more on Pickup Tuesday. Our next game was a bit of a – one-sided affair, well, it really was, with the Seahawks 37-18 over the 49ers. The question here is Russell Wilson, another tricky lower extremity injury, knee, ankle. We're not sure how he's going to respond to that. He came out of the game. He said he could have come back, but when he, at least while he was there, he looked pretty good, 243 yards and a touchdown. Trayvon Boykin came in relief, looked decent, had an interception, but 7-9, of 65, and a touchdown. The story here is Christine Michael got rolling without – Thomas Rawls, and I don't know if Rawls, when he comes back from Shin, can expect to see the same type of workload. But Michael rolled here 20 for 106 and two touchdowns, including a 41-yard burst there. And the receiving situation, I was high on Tyler Lockett, and this is just very disappointing that they didn't even target him once with either quarterback here. They just trusted Doug Baldwin and Jimmy Graham. I think that was the game plan a little bit, but there's something going on a little off with Lockett at this point. They, I think they want him to be energized for the return game, so I think you have to fade Lockett a little bit. It's really disappointing they're not getting him more involved, but Baldwin owners, you're thrilled. Eight's 164-1 and one with a 59-yard catch. Jimmy Graham had a 40-yard catch and 601, so Graham is back on the radar for all of you that were patient and held on to him. 
He did have a lost fumble here, but that's not going to affect his value too much. So, so Graham up, locking down in this passing offense. And the other side, Blaine Gabbert, nothing to see there. I can't even mention his stats. They're pretty terrible. But Carlos Hyde, you liked, even in this game where it was a blowout, he still got 21 carries, 103 yards, two garbage touchdowns. You don't care where they come from. If it's the 49ers winning game or Hyde in trail mode getting a lot of carries, you're happy with that, and you're happy you played him if he's an every-week play here. So we look at the Jets and Chiefs, and really the story here is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Six interceptions, no sacks, a weird, weird line. He threw picks without being even, like, pressured that much consistently 20 for one or 20 for 44 108 yards really erased all the opportunities for all his receivers to produce Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker played through injuries but they had a combined four catches for 58 just really an ugly game for the Jets all around couldn't sustain anything couldn't finish anything only had three points on the Chiefs side you were happy about their defense loved their defense if you play them this week with that massive game and Look at Alex Smith, modest Alex Smith game, 237 yards. Expected Spencer Ware was rather quiet with only 21 touches and 83 yards. So pretty quiet game for him. Travis Kelsey lit it up here, 6 for 89 and a touchdown. A lot of attention was on Jeremy Macklin, 4 for 35. Darrell Reeves got some help there. But Kelsey looked like the Kelsey of old that we all wanted this year. So that's pretty much all we have from that one. It's... Kind of a disappointing um, outing all around for people that didn't own Kelsey. So we look at the Chargers and Colts. Very disappointing as well. Andrew Luck ends up with 331 yards passing, but just a pretty ugly game overall for him. He had a lost fumble here. He had an interception. Really had to rev up late to put up these numbers. So you expected a lot things to be a lot bigger. Unfortunately, Frank Gorn, Robert Turman stole a couple short touchdowns. They're probably... Quick throws to a tight end for Luck, either Dwayne Allen or Jack Doyle. Dwayne Allen, really disappointing, 3 for 35. T.Y. Hilton, 8, 174 and 1, including a long 63-yard play. That was the T.Y. Hilton of old, taking advantage of a tough matchup still to get it going and the absence of Dante Moncrief. With Gore, you were happy again. He found the end zone along with 21 carries, 82 yards, and a touchdown. So he's got to be in there every week with the volume he's seeing and how he's involved in the passing game just a little bit didn't do much there but Gore's going to get the ball a lot they need to take pressure over luck so he's an every week RB2 even in tough matchups for me at this point and luck hopefully there'll be some bigger days that he can really take advantage of bad defense like this but on the other side Philip Rivers we thought it was tricky it's very hard to trust Rivers on the road and he had 330 yards here but no touchdowns, no interceptions, quiet. Melvin Gordon, rather quiet. He did get revved up in the passing game to end up with uh, with his 22 touches. He did have 78 yards there and a touchdown. So just really disappointing game with the Rivers. The game flow was kind of ugly here, back and forth. Teams are caught in between throwing too much and running too much, and neither happened as consistently. So you had a yard difference in passing, but not much passing production otherwise from either quarterback Really one of the more disappointing games of the week. Uh, if you had Travis Benjamin, you were happy as well. Four catches for 82, but he also had a lost fumble here. So not exactly a model of beauty from the Chargers in this one. We look at uh, a couple more games on our schedule, and we had the Eagles and Steelers. Really not much to talk about the Steelers. 
257 in interception for Roethlisberger, bad game. DeAndre Williams, terrible game. Eight carries, 21 yards, four catches, 23. Really faded hard in this one. Antonio Brown came through. He's the guy that always you can trust. 12 catches on 18 targets for 140 yards. Didn't add up to anything. They didn't score a touchdown here. Lost 34-3, to but you're happy that Brown, even in a terrible game for this offense, could put up those numbers. Eagles defense dominated. You're happy if you stuck with them one more week. Uh, I was didn't think they would do this to the Steelers after doing it to the Brayers and Browns, but they did it again. Had a solid game here with Wentz. Again, that was a surprise. 301 yards and two touchdowns from Carson Wentz. Very similar line to his Week One game there against the Browns. I think that's kind of his uh, steady output here at this point. And Darren Sproles got a lot of touches in the backfield. He really padded himself with a 73-yard play, touchdown, six reception, 128 yards, and a score there. But in the backfield, it was Wendell Smallwood dominating with 17 carries for 79 yards, the rookie of the touchdown. Kenyon Varner was 8 for 42 in touchdown. So Ryan Matthews' owners have to be really disappointed. He had two carries for minus five. He's only basically being used as a goal line short back. The game flow, they didn't really want him involved here that much. They wanted Sproles out of the backfield, Barner and Smallwood, the speed, and that's where Matthews is struggling. He's a power back where they want to get in all the little short speed guys. And Matthews, you got to wait and see. Hope things turn around. The game flow in the other games really favored him when they were up big and he could score a touchdown. This one he thought would go that way, but I think they just like the matchup of Smallwood, Barner, and Sproles. So you have to go week to week on how they're going to attack people. And when... You look at the passing game, Jordan Matthews wasn't needed too much. He did have the touchdown there to help himself. Brent Selleck took over over Trey Burton as the Zach Ertz replacement in this one. But quiet, they didn't have to do too much. The backfield guys took care of it with a touchdown each. So the last game we'll look at is the Sunday night game. At least this one went according to form for the most part. The Cowboys beat... The Bears 31-17. Brian Hoyer showed some streaming ability on the other side. Zach Miller scored twice in this game. So Hoyer and Miller seems to be the combination. We thought it might be Hoyer and a lot of Alshon Jeffrey, but Jeffrey was slow down the knee. He had five for 70. But Zach Miller can keep it up next week against the Lions. It's a good matchup for the tight end. Eight catches on nine targets for 78 yards and two touchdowns, and that really helped Hoyer with the 317-2. In the backfield, Jordan Howard was a story that he was more involved than Jeremy Lankford. Lankford got a little banged up, but Howard is still the better back anyway. And he was involved, nine carries for 45 in the running game, got four for 47. So if you stashed Howard as the better upside option for Lankford, good for you. It looks like going forward, he's going to be more the trusted guy in this backfield. On the Cowboys' side, their backfield, you had to love the volume for Ezekiel Elliott after the fumbling game. 30 carries for 140 yards, great average there, two catches for 20 added that. The disappointment here is that they were inside the five-yard line three times, and it's not Elliott getting the call once. Lance Dunbar got a one-yard run, Alfred Morris had a two-yard run, and Dak Prescott called his own number. So very disappointing that there were potential here to for Elliott to really go monster here. You settle for the 16 points of standard, but there are probably 18 more points he could have had. He could have had a 30-burger here. but So that's the only frustrating thing if you're an Elliott owner. You're very happy 
But in the end, you want those scores as well to really punctuate a big game like this. It's very unusual to have 32 touches and 160 and not have a touchdown. So I guess you'll live with that. Those big touchdown games hopefully will come. But that's where kind of Prescott hurts as a running QB. If it's Romo in there, then it's uh, handing off to Elliott every time and not trying to run with his bad back. So you look at the other side up. Terrence Williams, it was nice to see him go to relevance again. Four catches for 88 yards on all of his targets, but still not a guy you can completely trust. Cole Beasley, consistently, 7 for 73. That's like a line you look for. PPR, Beasley is a guy that you have to have. Jason Witten had a quiet game, but still a guy that I like. He had potential here to score. Got a thing in the end, end or red zone, but didn't take advantage of that all the way. So Witten is still going to be involved. Just a quiet game for him. They didn't need him too much, and Des Bryant, it was still a quiet game, three catches on six targets, but he turned it into 40 yards and a touchdown. So given that the Cowboys didn't really need to throw much here, Elliott or Prescott had only 24 attempts with Elliott dominating here. So given they didn't throw a lot, you have to take that from Des Bryant. And the Cowboys defense, I think you may have streamed them in some leagues, still disappointing because – you didn't see too much. No sacks, no turnovers against Brian Hoyer. So kind of a ho-hum game for the Cowboys. And the Bears, just you can exploit them on the ground pretty well here going forward with their injuries of Danny Trevathan and Eddie Goldman. Eddie Goldman still continue to be out. And that's it was just a perfect match for the Cowboys, and at least they came through. So we'll see what happens with the Falcons and Saints on Monday night. But that's the end of uh, Roundup Monday, looking at all the Sunday games, breaking it down, telling you what we learned and uh, hopefully we'll do better with next week. It's always changing, and you always have to look at it. So thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe on Audio Boom or iTunes to get this podcast delivered to you week daily. And please listen to all the podcasts on the Locked On Network, including Locked On NFL with Matt Williamson. For now, this has been Locked On Fantasy Football with Vinny Iyer. We'll see you next time. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.